Hey mamas, welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored, the podcast that's raw, real, and unfiltered, getting down into the nitty gritty of motherhood. Yeah, we get down and dirty talking about marriage, life, love, relationships, and of course, raising these babies. Join me as we chat about all things motherhood. Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. Good morning, beautiful, beautiful people. Oh my goodness. Um, it is still summer and we are still enjoying the sunshine and I can't wait to catch up today. I want to first say that I don't know if you guys or if you all um, like have a church, go to church, have a church home. I've kind of been in a floating sense and so I've been trying to at the very least, watch virtual church until I can get into a community because I do realize how important a church community is and I want my kids to have a good church community. I do think that this is an excuse, but I feel like a lot of people I know are still guilty of it. This summer is so busy that it can be like every weekend we're gone or we're doing something. Um, so it's hard to like physically get to church, but one thing I want to start doing at home is um, doing like Sunday school in the mornings on Sundays because what I typically do on the weekends, I don't know about y'all, and I feel like I'm such a mom for this, is like, you know how like when you're growing up, and my mom actually never did this, but I see people talk about it all the time, when you're growing up and it'll be Saturday morning and your mom would wake you up early in the morning and be time to like start all the chores, right? Because you probably had to go to church on Sunday. Um, I have become that person. So like Saturday morning rolls around and I wake up relatively early every day anyway, because of the kids and I put on my Christian music. So it's like a mix of like gospel and contemporary. So we've got a little Hill song. We got a little Kirk Franklin up in there and I start cleaning the house and, um, I want everyone else to be up cleaning too. And I don't make everyone get up though. Um, I try to let Ethan sleep. I think one of the hard parts about marriage too though is like the balance of who gets to sleep in. And uh, I never get to sleep in. I'll say that. I've never been the one to sleep in. There has been maybe twice in the five years of my motherhood that Ethan has said, hey, I'll take them to go back to bed. One of those times I was really tired, like beyond normal. Um, And I'm sure it happened one other time. I can't remember. But because I'm a morning person, you know, if my kids wake me up and I wake up physically, like if I have to sit up and do something, then I'm up for the day. If Mia kind of, a lot of times she'll come into the room around 6 a.m. and, um, it's summer, so I'm like six a.m. It's too early for summertime, and I'll be like, "Mia, we're gonna go back to sleep." And if the baby's still asleep, she'll just kind of climb into bed, and I'll just go back to sleep. Um, but I forgot. I don't know where I was going with this whole story about church and cleaning. But anyway, I know where I was going. I was listening to um, Steve Furtick, who's the pastor of Elevation Church. So that's like my virtual church. But and he was talking about like how important it is to look back. And I wanted to touch on that. So I'm not going to lie. I've been kind of um, in a place right now where it feels like my life's on a repeat. Um, I remember that when I had Elliot and I was on maternity leave, I was like, I'm not going back to work after this maternity leave. And then, you know, the time came and we made decisions and we looked at buying a house and all these things. And it was like, nah, girl, you got to go to work. And so I went to work. Um, and, and during that time, um, in the consideration of me potentially leaving corporate America, um, you know, my husband lost his job and we were still in the middle of a pandemic and I just was not sure about anything. And so this message that Steve Furtick was kind of talking about was like, you know, looking back and how powerful it is and how important it is to look back, um, And even not just to look back, maybe to go back. And for me, I do feel like sometimes in life, 
um, and this is kind of what I, has been revealed to me in like my prayer and my meditation and things, it can feel like I'm right back where I started and it can feel really frustrating or it can feel really exciting. Um, and I will say that last week I was going through it emotionally. Um, I don't really know what was going on. I was like depressed on a level where like Ethan was getting kind of concerned about me. Um, just in the sense that not like anything crazy, but just in the sense that I wasn't being my normal happy self. Like I was kind of, you know, low energy, um, low kind of mood. And even I was like, I don't know why I'm like this. Um, and I don't even necessarily know how to step out of it, but I don't necessarily, I was still like going through the motions. Like I was still getting up, getting dressed, you know, showering, cleaning the house. I wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary, but my, my mood was just so low. And I was kind of in like a mom funk where, you know, you're doing the monotony or you're doing the routine things you do every day. Like get up, bake breakfast, feed the kids, clean up, find an activity to do, get dressed, fold laundry, fold laundry, fold laundry, fold laundry, fold laundry, five to seven days later, put it away. (laughs) Like that whole routine and feeling kind of like, all right, I'm going to add work to this routine. And then like, but what about me? Like, what about who am I? And do I even know who I am? And I feel like after I had Elliot, I had so much energy, like not necessarily like actual energy, but so much like creative energy and so much passion and purpose that I almost feel like after having this baby, after having my little Rafi, Raphael, I... I'm kind of like, mm, mm, here I am, you know, Elliot's almost three. What is it that I want to do? And, you know, what can I really pursue? And what can I do to that I love and that fulfills me? Because I was in such a different creative place even last summer. And so then I had this evening where um, Ethan took the kids to basketball. He took Elliot and me to basketball with him. And I was home with Rafi and he fell, Rafi fell asleep. And so I went and I listened to like my soul healing music and, you know, the songs of my youth and my emotional songs. I'm talking, I'm listening to like Automatic by Miranda Lambert. I'm listening to like Voice Within by Christina Aguilera. I'm listening to like Ali and AJ. If you're a millennial and you were a Disney Channel kid, like I'm like listening to these other these songs that just like remind me of who I am. And I realized I'm gonna be okay, and we're gonna be okay, and I can still make it. And I really did have this whole crisis at at turning 30. I'm not going to lie. And it was because of a couple different things. I'm 30. I have a new baby. Um, Time is flying by so fast. But also when you have a new baby or a baby in general, it slows you down a little bit. And if you're like me, who has a lot of, you know, things I want to do, it's hard to be slowed down, which sounds kind of bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying this little bundle. But it's still hard to kind of be like, okay, I can't go do this yet. I can't, you know, and I was really, I spent a lot of my pregnancy thinking, oh, I'm going to have him and then we're going to be going. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this routine. But honestly, the lack of school does make it harder to get my creative stuff done. Because like I always tell you, I'm, I'm always doing something with the kids. So like, because they're not in school, most of the day, they're hanging out with me. And then at nap time, Mia wants me to play Barbies. And most of the time, I'm stopping to play Barbies. I sat there for an hour yesterday, yesterday, I played Barbies uninterrupted. She got so upset when it was time for me to get up. And I was like, listen, your brother needs to eat. I need to change his diaper. Like, we just sat here for a whole hour. We can play some more in a little bit. But you have to let me get these little things done so that we can sit down and play some more. And it is such a hard balance between like, you know, spending time with your kids and surviving. I'm going to talk about that a lot too. So, but anyway, um, oh, looking back, I was like, where am I going with this? So I was looking, so as I'm sitting here, I realized that there, ever since I was younger, 
there have been things and people I wanted to help out. When I was in middle school, I was bullied really bad. And then I got to high school and I, I had like a friend and like I wasn't anybody in high school. Um, honestly, who cares about high school? High school days are weird. You know, college was my era. But anyway, I and I remember in high school wanting to make a, a club for for, you know, younger girls who are like 11 through 13. Um and I really wanted to just help them. And then it's like I became a mom. And now I just really want to help moms. And it's like any area I struggle in, I'm like, okay, I want to help people in this area because I've lived it. And I'm realizing that like your lived experience is so valuable. And it's so important to look back on that lived experience. Look at how many things you might have survived. Like look how many times you came out on the other side and I feel like what's so funny and it's like we especially me I'm a fickle person I think humans in their nature are fickle we have this idea like God can do big things and he can move mountains and he does something good in our life something big think about dreams coming true I think about how like wow I did this like I got married I got children. We created this beautiful family. I was looking at the engagement pictures of me and Ethan, and we looked young. I mean, to be fair, we were young when we got engaged. I was like 20. We were young. And I'm like, look at those two kids in that picture. Look at the life that they've built so far. So far, and I feel like for me, when I turned 30, I thought that was it. Like, it's the end. I'm done. I'm shriveled up. And it's like, first of all, no, there's still a lot of life to live. I'm just being really dramatic. Considering that that first half of my life was really, this is what somebody said to me, and I don't remember who it was. It was either my best friend or a TikTok. I can't tell you who said this to me. Um, They were like, look, if you look at the past, like before you turn 30, if you look at like the 10 years before that, right? you really just barely became an adult. Before that, you were a child. You just spent most of your life growing up. You just spent most of, maybe I saw this on Instagram. I saw this somewhere. You spent most of your life growing up. 30, you are just now entering the era where you can be an adult, where you can you know, make those choices and you can create that life. Yes, for some people, big things happen in their 20s. And what God has also been revealing to me for myself, and this is just like some encouragement, is that sometimes we look at our lives and we think, I wish I was at that per- place that person's at. Wow, that person is in the top 30 under 30 and I'm, and I'm 30, so I can't be on that list. <laughs> or, you know, I realized that in my There was so much I had to learn in my 20s. There was so much I had to go through. There are so many mistakes I made that I'm still paying for. Literally financial mistakes that I am still paying for. Literally student loans that I'm still paying for. But, um, which wasn't a mistake. It's just like, oh, really? That's that's my life. Um, Guys, I forgot my train of thought. (laughs) Wait, no, no, no. It's coming back. Sorry, it's mom brain. It's mom brain. Um. I don't remember. Anyway, oh, I remember now. I was talking about what God revealed to me. So the revelation was that I can't give you what you have been praying for, or I couldn't give you what you have been praying for then, because my timing is not your timing. And the reason why, and I think about like some of the big things that I've been praying for, is that if I would have given it to you this year, or if I would have given it to you last year even, and it might not even be next year for me. I'm, I, you wouldn't know what to do with it. You wouldn't manage it well. I need you to go learn the lessons so that when you are handed this big blessing you're praying for, this big business you're working on, this big whatever, you don't lose it. You learn, how, you're ready for it. And for some of it is, I realized too that some of my goals in terms of business and dreams and career... I realized that as Mia, Mia's entering kindergarten, that's not to say that I can't be successful before my, before Raphael's in kindergarten, because that's five years from now, but Mia's now in kindergarten. Elliot is now entering preschool and I have a baby. 
this first year even of having a baby, it's so important for me to be like right here, hands-on, in your face. Actually, I'm just a hands-on type of parent all the time, always in your face. That if I would have to be so involved with my business and not focused on my kids, I think it would be too hard for me. So anyway, I say that because now that, you know, Elliot's going to preschool, Raphael will eventually go to preschool in two years. I can be building this business, but I can't handle that level of success that I'm dreaming of until they're bigger because I want my focus on my kids right? When they're in school, I don't have to be focusing on them. Their teacher is focusing on them. I can be focusing on what I'm doing and what I'm working on. Then I can go pick them up from school and focus on them. So it's kind of just like, just trust that God knows what he's doing with your life. Trust like his timing. And so anyway, I was feeling really depressed. Like I'm never going to be anything, blah, 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 blah. All these like bad self-doubt talk. And then I looked back in the mirror. God's like, look back at where you've come from one be proud of where you've gotten to. Be proud of those two kids standing at Mount St. Mary's University, getting engaged on stage at the play. And <laughs> that's how we got engaged. Ethan proposed to me, if you don't know what engagement story is, I was um, an actress. I still am. Always in theater ever since, you know, I was younger. And I was in this play. And at the end of the play, there's curtain call, you know, you go out, you bow, people clap. And um, Ethan came up on stage um, after curtain call. Well, first they said, it was really funny. We went, we did our first, we came out, they, they clapped, we bowed, we did the whole shebang. And then they, we went behind stage and they were like, we need you to stay here for a minute. Like there's a situation outside. Um, and I was concerned. I was like, is someone hurt? Is there like, what kind of situation? Is it a dangerous situation? Because I'm a, I'm a quick person to panic. Like, don't, like, whenever the power goes out, the power can just go out for maybe a couple hours. Me and my husband are completely two different types of people. And I will explain that in a minute. But anyway, um, anyway, so curtain call. They tell me to go backstage. There's been a situation. They're like, actually, we're just going to put me back. You guys, for, I need you guys to go back out there and to just do another bow. And we're like, okay. So we go back out there. I'm like, wow. And we're like, I'm hyped now. I'm also a little bit nervous. Like, this is, there was a situation. Now we got to go bow again. Like, do they really love it? Did somebody miss it? Like, and I go out there and Ethan is out there and he, um, coming up on stage and um I'm like get off the stage like this is not theater etiquette and then I realized he starts talking about to everyone like this is an amazing woman and I'm like what I'm a woman first of all I'm like 20 I don't even feel like a grown-up but I do want to get married (laughs) and anyway he proposed to me I said yes and everybody thought I was pregnant that is the story of my engagement. Literally, it took me like a year to prove to my whole entire college that I was not pregnant because I was engaged so young. And some people were like, there, and I was in class one day, and no, Ethan was in class, and this girl was talking about, oh my gosh, there's this idiot that got engaged this weekend at the school play, and whatever, 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 and one of my castmates is... um in his class and she's raising his like oh that was Ethan right there and then I'm hearing people like oh my gosh like is she pregnant like is that why they're getting married first of all we didn't get married for like years later until years later because I was 24 when I got married um we were engaged for a long time second of all I was not pregnant and if I was who cares but that was the rumor the rumor was that I was pregnant and I wasn't and so that was my whole situation and I had people like you know are you sure thinking I was gonna rush and get married that weekend and I was like yeah I'm sure but also like I'm we're finishing school first like we're not dumb and it was this whole thing so anyway the power of looking back it's just a good tool in life too um, sometimes we like lose sight of who we are as moms. Like, I don't know. I don't have any interests. I don't have any passions. I don't know who I am. Well, I've always loved to speak. That's why I have a podcast y'all. I always love to talk. That's one of my passions is talking to y'all. And so, and I think about like who I was, I was an actor. So like, what do I like to do? I like to create content. It makes sense. I love to write. Now it's really hard for me to write. I'll admit as a parent of these three little babies, I know that there's moms that do it. It's not my power. It, I just don't have the time. I was starting to write 
while I was pregnant, <laughs> but then I had a baby. So like as he gets older, I'll have more time to myself and I'll, you know, schedule in writing. But I think it's important to just remember how far you've come. And then also if there, there's sometimes in life where it feels like I have, to, I just went through this. I can't believe I'm here again. Maybe there's a lesson that you didn't learn the last time. Um, and so anyway, there's power in looking back. There's like, I forgot what Steve Furtick said. He's really good at like alliteration and like, you know, whatever. But um, got to look back to look forward or move forward or whatever. So there's that. Um, I will say, y'all, this is my very first venti Starbucks drink, side note. And it's heavenly. I don't know what makes it so good that it's a venti. I 100% will not drink this whole thing right now. Um, Ethan always makes fun of me for never finishing my coffee. But it feels good to have a venti. And if I drink half of it, like I'll put the rest in the fridge. But just tastes better when it's bigger. There actually needs to be a Starbucks size between a grande and a venti because I feel like sometimes a grande is a little too small. Like sometimes I want like a couple more sips and then sometimes like like a couple more sim- sips is like what the venti isn't like. The venti is too big. Okay. Moving on. So um, I was talking about how me and Ethan are really different and it just makes me laugh at our like survival skills. I will say that I'm very gullible. I don't know if I should be telling the whole world that. That's why I have my husband. He's he protects me. He's logical. He I have to like double check with him before I do things because I believe in anything. Um and so and I'm very like easily influenced. Like I want to have the coolest life. So like if I see somebody do something, I'm like, I want to do that. And then I'll go try and do that. And it's like, Brittany, you are 30 years old. You are not going to go learn how to play the flute and be like a master flutist or whatever a flute person is called. I don't know if you play the flute. This is no offense. I just don't know what people who play the flute are called. And so whenever the power goes out, I feel like there's, okay, I feel like there's two things. Every person should be prepared for like a hurricane and the power to go out. So you should have bottles of water at all times in your house and you should have a flashlight at all times in your house. I believe at the very least you should have those things. I do. Now you probably should also have like a section or a place in your house where that flashlight sits and you know just have bottles of water. I do. So what happens though, is that my kids found the flashlights. And so when they found the flashlights, they wanted to play the flashlights. And now I don't know where the flashlights are. Long story short, there was a day the power went out. And every time the power goes out, I'm like, that's it. It's over. It's over. The world's over. Uh Uh-uh. We got to get ready to go. Yep. We need to go get gas right now. And Ethan is like, whoa calm down. Like I could be a little extreme when it comes to like emergencies. Whenever there's like a tornado warning or watch, I'm like everyone in the basement right now. I'm like clearing spaces. I'm grabbing toys. I'm grabbing chargers. I'm like, nobody touch any electronics. We're charging everything. I get really like intense. So when the power went out the last time, I feel like I was being logical and my husband feels like I panic too quickly. He's like, the power's going to come back on at some point. It was off for probably four hours, four or five hours. It wasn't a big deal. But in my head, it was a big deal because I need all of my fans to go to sleep because I'm one of those people who likes the, the, the sounds of the fan. I need it to be cold in the house. I can't sleep when it's hot. I like it to be cold. So that's why my kids have to wear like cozy pajamas because I want the house cold. Also, studies show that you sleep better when you're cold. And it's true. So the power, whenever the power goes out, I immediately, it was daytime. So I start grabbing all the candles around the house. I'm grabbing the lighter. I'm grabbing the flashlights. I'm taking my phone. I'm making sure I know where my phone is because I'm not going to be able to see in a couple hours when the sun sets. And I start pulling out the kids' pajamas. I guess I'm like, guess nobody's getting a bath today, which is fine. We'll survive. And I just pull out my kids' pajamas, make sure that they're somewhere I know where they're at so that when it is dark in the house... I could have just put their pajamas on them. That would have been one step smarter, but they were playing. So I was like, when it gets dark, I know where everything is. Yes, we will have flashlights and candles, but I don't want to be digging for pajamas in my kid's freaking dresser when the power goes out. Okay. 
Ethan thinks that I'm being dramatic. I'm like, no, I'm not being dramatic. I'm not being dramatic because what's going to happen when we don't know where any candles or any flashlights are when the sun sets? So we're just really different. And I'm also like, let's check the news. Let's maybe go get gas. Like, I don't know what's about to happen. I like to live really prepared. Even like with the gas in my car, I think there's two types of people, the kind that like don't let it get past a half a tank or like a cool, like a full tank of gas. And then the people who like ride on E, no, no, I cannot ride on E. Even like that little like line, guys, I don't know that line before you get to E, it's like a quarter tank, I think. When you have like a quarter tank left, that's entirely too little gas. I could have a hundred miles left on my car, a hundred miles. You can get pretty far with a hundred miles. Nope, that's not good enough. My car needs to have 400 miles worth of gas up in there before I feel comfortable. When I see 400, I can breathe. I live in a state of prepared. And I think that's because I'm a parent. I'm a mom. And that's what I would say. Like, I remember when we lived in our apartment and it was like hurricane season. We lived on the top floor. It was just me and Mia. And I would be so scared every time it thunderstormed because I was like, If there's a hurricane, I have to take the baby or a tornado, put the baby in the bathtub, somehow man strength this mattress over me and her. I'm like putting like water and puffs in the bathroom. I'm like prepping the bathroom for the worst. Nothing ever happened. I just live in a state of like prepared because what's not going to happen is me now that I have three kids you better believe I'm prepared we do have a basement now so like obviously we'll just go to the basement and our basement has a refrigerator in it already full of water bottles all the time so like we'll just go down there and we'll be fine um but I live in a state of prepared I also want to say um something about like knowing the stage you're in and embracing it. I think that as, for instance, I, so the other weekend I told you guys, I went out um, to one of my friend's house, one of my coworkers, and they have children as they have, they also have children um, to like their housewarming. And part of having young kids is living with mess. And like when you have a baby, so when you have one baby, here's what I'm going to say. When I had one baby, It wasn't like my whole life was a mess. It was like I lived in an apartment and there wasn't enough room for stuff. But it wasn't like, it was like after I cleaned up after her, it was done. She was a baby. She couldn't take out the toys herself. Now, when she became a toddler and she started taking out the toys every time I cleaned, yes, it became harder, but it was manageable. At nap time, clean up. At bedtime, clean up. Now that I have three children, it's chaos, okay? It's chaos. Elliot and Mia with between the snacks, the snack crumbs and everything else. It's like, okay, it it can be a lot. But anyway, when I went to my friend's house, they had toys everywhere. I mean, everywhere on the floor in their main living area. They had toys everywhere. They had dishes in the sink. And I felt relief because I realized it's the stage we're in. Our kids are similar ages. Um, It's just the stage we're in. And there are times when my house looks great. My living room looks great. It's probably going to look great by the end of today. Because on Tuesdays, which is when I'm recording, Mia and Elliot during the summer go to my grandma's house for the day. And they go hang out and just play and have have a good day. And I get to kind of just hang out with the baby and like get some things done around the house. And so I'm not vacuuming three times a day because I don't have to because it's just me and a baby um but it's just the reality like when you have kids you have kids um and then also just like embracing the fact that like my best friends and my friends can go travel to the beach like I want to go to the beach tomorrow and they go want to go get dinner right now and they go I have to like work around kids that's okay. One day they'll be old enough to stay home by themselves. It's true. Once they hit like 13, I think they can say, I don't know how old you actually have to be to stay home by yourself. I just knew I was staying home by myself young, like 12. And I feel like I was perfectly mature enough to do that. But um, 
Yeah, so just like embrace the stage you're in. And also it's okay to like slowly work on your dreams. Like we live in an instant gratification society that ruins us spiritually. It ruins us spiritually because we believe that we should get everything instantly. Amazon, next day delivery, sometimes same day delivery, overnight delivery. Um, We live in an instant world, which is really great and convenient for life, but not really great and convenient for faith because faith and um, dreams coming true or whatever we're praying on, whatever you're believing on, that journey that you have, Sometimes it isn't instant because then it wouldn't require faith. If every time we asked for something, God immediately gave us, we, would ha- we wouldn't have to have faith because we would just know God's going to do it. Now, here's the thing. God's going to do it, right? I'm not saying God's not going to do it. I'm just saying that God's going to do it on his time. And so I think that it's why I personally have struggled sometimes in my faith walk has been I've been praying for this. I've been looking for this. I've been doing this. I've been working hard. Why not me? All of these other things. Like, I'm, am I good enough? And it's like, yeah, girl, of course you're good enough. Yeah, girl, look at you. You're doing great. However, things in life, the big things aren't instant. Faith isn't instant. Faith, if everything was instant, it wouldn't require faith. And I watched this great video. I'm going to try to find it and post it on my story again great video. And it was a guy explaining faith. And so he was explaining how a lot of times when we think of faith, we think about how strong our faith is, like how big our faith is, but that's not really what faith means. And it completely changed my perspective. So in the Bible, we talk about like, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could tell that mountain to move and it will move, right? When Peter, so when there's the story in the Bible, if you don't know, if you're not a believer, and if you are, you probably heard it, where um, Jesus is, um, the disciples are, Jesus' followers are on a boat, and Jesus is walking on water. And then Peter is like, oh my gosh, if you are whatever, whatever, I'm going to walk on water. Peter goes, and he starts to walk on water. He's walking out to Jesus on water, like actually walking on water. Walking on water. This follower of Jesus, Peter, is saying, I'm going to walk on water. He starts to walk on water. The waves around him get mighty high, and Peter gets scared. And he starts to what? He starts to drown because he's, he lost his faith, right? Peter's walking out. So he, Peter and the disciples are in a boat. Jesus is walking towards them on water. Peter's like, oh my gosh, it's you. Let me get out and walk on water. He starts to walk on water. Waves come. He starts to get scared. He starts to drown. What is the message of the story? Peter didn't have strong enough faith. And so the guy who was explaining the story really got it. Like God really mm, spoke to this guy. Peter had a lot of faith. First of all, all the other disciples are in the boat to begin with. Let's talk about the fact that everyone else doesn't even have enough faith to get out the boat. Peter is brave enough in the middle of the night. So it is dark. It's not like their ships had lights back then. They didn't have electricity. It's the middle of the night. It is dark. Okay. It is dark. The waves are waving and everyone else is in the boat. And Peter is like, all right, I'm going to do this. He is faithful. He has enough faith to step out and walk on water. And what does Peter do? He walks on water. That's Rafi. He does that in his sleeping times. Anyway, um, he walks on water. He sees these giant waves, gets scared, and only then does he start to drown. What does this tell us about faith? So like I just said, everyone says, oh, Peter didn't have enough faith. First of all, we just said Peter had lots of faith. Peter got out of the boat. Most people don't even get out the boat. Okay, everyone else didn't get out of the boat. In fact, 90% of them did not get out of the boat. He had a lot of faith, but his faith didn't last. The duration of his faith is what faulted, not how much faith he had, how long he had faith. And so that's when I was like, wow, a lot of times we do have, we have strong faith, faith to start something, 
faith to begin to believe for something, faith to, you know, try something, but then we kind of lose it when it comes to the duration. So again, talking about like achieving your dreams and working hard and, um, you know, making, not just being a business person, I'm just really into having my own business, you know, and these things that you want to accomplish, whether it is faith for a new house, faith for healing, faith for restoration in your relationship. A lot of times we start with really strong faith, but the duration of our faith doesn't last, right? And so it's like changing our perspective on like, you probably could tell this mountain to move. Let's say you stood in front of it. And I used to really, whenever I heard this, like I was like, I can move mountains. I remember thinking that as a kid. But what if there's a hill in front of you? So it's like, yeah, I can move this giant thing. But what if there's an obstacle before you can move it? Do you stop having faith that you can move it? You know, what if it's like, you know, I believe that I could be my, you know, I could, you know, this business could flourish. But then things don't work out. And so that faith you had in the beginning kind of falters or whatever it is in your life. It's about the duration of your faith because, again, the Bible said faith as small as a mustard seed. So that means that there are days where you're like, oh, I really don't know, but you believe a little bit still. So you continue to press on with what God has called you to do. That's what matters. That's what's life changing. And so I was like, wow, that's really powerful because I do feel like some days I have great faith and then some days I'm a little shaky, but I tend to be someone who holds on a little bit. I do. I'm a, I'm a faith holder honor. And just to remember that I'm a faith holder honor. I didn't, that didn't make any sense. Um, just to remember that faith is small as a mustard seed. So you still have that glimmer of hope. It's not about how big your faith is. It's about the duration of it. And I was like, that's powerful. And that's also a a good perspective now for me in life. Um, And it changed a lot. And I'll I'll post the video because obviously this guy's a lot more, um, I'm just repeating what he said. And he, I'm like summarizing what he said. He's a lot more knowledgeable. He breaks down like the meaning of certain words um, and all this other stuff um, to help understand the, the, the concept of like the duration of your faith. And I thought it was really good. So I've been kind of having a parenting hiccup or mm, like a hard time. Not necessarily overly hard, but kind of like an interesting regression I see with Mia specifically. And so here's what I realized is I am the emotional parent. I am the feely, like touch your feelings kind of person. And I'm really proud of how emotionally intelligent Mia has been. In most cases, if she gets upset, she'll say she needs a minute. She'll go by herself. She will feel her feelings. She'll come back. Okay. Lately, she's been throwing these tantrums. And I do not know where they are coming from. And I'm wondering if it's because, you know, because she wasn't doing this before. I'm like, she has been around her brother too long. She needs to go to school and be around kids her age so she can act right. Because... All of a sudden, she's getting frustrated every time I can't stop and do what she wants me to do. At first, when Rafi was born, she'd be like, okay, um, I would explain, I'll do this with you. I just have to do this first. For instance, the other day with playing Barbies, I told her, I'll play Barbies with you after I do this, this, and this. She loses her mind. Normally, she's like, okay, great. And she knows that nap time is our designated Barbie time. Not that I don't play with her other times. It's just like the easiest time where we're not going to be interrupted. So it's like if you want to have frustration free Barbie time, nap time's where it's at because the boys are both going to sleep for at least an hour. Um, And so while they are both asleep, we can play without me having to like Elliot's asking for a snack or Elliot's knocking over everything she set up or Rafi needs to eat. It's just like an easy time. And so I'm like, what is going on? And honestly, I don't, I still don't know. So I'll let you know when I figure it out. Part of me feels like um, it is hard to be a little person that has to share. And because I'm dealing with Elliot, who does throw tantrums card a bit, and the baby, who kind of require attention more immediately, it can be hard when it's like, no, 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 it's my turn right now, mom. I also feel like she's been home all summer with little kids 
And so she's acting like her brother. So like when Elliot doesn't get his way, he throws a tantrum. I typically just let him throw his tantrum. I will say you're, I'll, I'll, I'll do one of three things, depending on what's going on. I'll engage with him and I will try to give him a hug or I'll try to get on his level. And I'll be like, you're really mad right now. If I can, if he's losing his mind for real, for real, throwing everything, I'm going to let him lose his mind. And then I'm going to come back and say, yeah, you are really mad or you're really frustrated. And we'll have a conversation depending on like what's going on. Those are like the main things that I do. I don't know if I said one of three things, but really those are the only two things I do. I'm either letting him hash it out on his own or I'm trying to work through why he's upset with him. Because there are times that he does get really worked up and we can kind of work through it together and he can kind of settle. And then there's times where he's just going to talk to me when he's done being mad. Um, so I don't know what to do with Mia. And I also realized it's like there's certain things I've always wanted with my kids. Like I've said before, I value... Um, travel and like experiences more than like gifts. So every year we've traveled right around Mia's birthday. This year we're going to the mountains. Okay. The good thing is that Mia loves to travel. Some of her best memories. She's like, oh my gosh, at this this vacation, this is my third year old birthday. We were on this vacation. This was my four year old birthday. We were here. This was my favorite. But she expects it. So just like be careful what routines you make for your kids. The other thing I'll say is that when we go to Disney World um, in the spring, Mia's really excited because it's Raphael's first time going and he'll be like almost one. So it's going to be such a precious time. Um, And honestly, even Elliot will be a little bit bigger and it'll be a lot more fun too. But Mia's, that'll be the third time Mia's gone. And I, I get kind of like, okay, she's it's gonna lose its magic to her if we keep going like the first time I went as an adult was amazing hasn't lost the magic for me yet though I can't wait to go back I'm fully planned outfits already like lined up looking at them like this is I I haven't bought them yet because that's ridiculous but I'm looking at them because low-key I'm gonna try to work out and get into shape and hopefully be a size smaller um and then also even if I don't I can buy it my normal size it's fine God loves me, but, um, the kids outfits too, I just can't buy yet because we're not going till April. I do not know what size my children will be in April. I don't, I have no idea. None. Elliot in the winter was a two T he can still fit two T stuff and three T's a little bit too big. So it's like, will he be three T like comfortably in the spring or will he be four T? Will he be five T? I don't know. So I can't buy this stuff and Raphael who is three months old is in six months clothes so like I can't project what he's going to be wearing I he flew through newborns he flew through zero to threes he was in three to six month clothes for like two weeks and now three to six months is a little small so he's in like just six months or six to nine months is like where he can fit and I'm like what so I have to buy him clothes because Although, yeah, Elliot, I had Elliot. Elliot was born at the end of October. So all of his clothes are like winter and it's hot. It's like 90 degrees. And so he needs like more just onesies. And I don't feel bad buying a bunch of like onesies in bigger sizes. Because even once it is winter, you can put onesies underneath like clothes and stuff. But yeah, anyway. Okay, on to the next topic. So something that I kind of realized with the summer, so I was talking about how I kind of struggled with Mia a little bit, is that what I feel guilty about isn't always a bad thing. And as parents, okay, I'll say as millennial parents especially, it's just a whole different era of like raising kids. I was talking to my friend yesterday about how like when I was a kid, Happy Meals were a luxury. Now it's like a weekly occurrence. It's like not super special. And it does kind of take away when you always do like fun stuff with your kids. Like they, you have to leave some things to be like a surprise or like a fun thing. Um, and not just like spoil the heck out of them all the time. Not that it's spoiling to get a Happy Meal, but you know, like whatever. So like, that's how I feel about Disney. Like Mia's going to expect it. Luckily she's excited because it's Raphael's first time. All right. After next year though. Oh, I'm lying. I was going to say we're going to do a Disney break, but that is not the truth. After next year, I think we're planning on a Disney cruise. So 
after that year, we'll take a break from Disney. Um, but then it's going to be, it's hard because I have three kids at three different ages. And so it's like this time, it's just going to be really cute with Raphael, but it won't be like as magical because he's like a baby. Like it, it'll be like magical in a sense, but he won't remember it. This next time, Elliot is going to like really remember it. And Mia's going to really remember it because she's going to be like five and a half next time we go. All right. Anyway, moving on. So I have been obviously overly anxious about what to do with my kids when I'm at work, right? Because one of the things that I have felt guilty about, and it's like, it's such like a double-edged sword, like no matter what your position is, there's always something to feel guilty about. If you're a working mom that works out of the house, you feel guilty because you're not with your kids all day. I experienced that with Mia. If you are a stay-at-home mom, you get burnt out and you might feel guilty for like wanting to be away with your kids or maybe depending on like, it just depends on your situation. If you can't do things all the time, whatever, you feel guilty because you get overstimulated, but we all get overstimulated. If you're a work from home mom, then there's the, the balance of like, I feel guilty because I'm working, but then I'm also burnt out because I'm with you all day. And then I don't know what to do. And I could get you a babysitter, right? But that's not ideal, right? Like that defeats the point in a way, but it would be helpful if I had someone watch the kids like two hours a day. That would be helpful. Anyway, and so I was reading this thing. I was, uh, and you know what, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or a working mom, I think that there's benefits to both. I, me and my siblings lived with two different versions of my mom. My mom homeschooled me. She was a stay-at-home mom. She actually had an in-home daycare for a good part of like my childhood and upbringing. And then once she got around to having my sister, like 10 years later, she became a working mom. And so me and my sister experienced two different versions. It actually would be interesting to talk to my siblings as a whole about our upbringing. And I think when we go on vacation and have sibling time, that's what I want to do because I feel like we all experienced things so differently because of our age differences. Like there was things my mom was really hard on me about that I know she wasn't about my younger siblings. And it's like, it's funny. But anyway, so I feel like at least in this era of parenting and even in this era of life where we set ourselves up for failure sometimes is our kids don't know how to be bored and at least I'm speaking for myself because I'm sure that there are other people who just parent differently and I know they do because I know moms who for instance sleep trained and I I just don't sleep train obviously that's why I'm still struggling and like you know every mom does their things differently Every family has different necessities, but like my kids don't know how to sit and be bored. Do your kids know how to sit and be bored? I was talking to Mia's teacher and she was talking about how these kids don't know how to sit and be bored and how when you're in the car, don't give your kid their tablets in the car. Let them look out the window. Let them look at the world around them. Let their brains relax because Kids are so busy these days, like playing with each other, playing with electronics, watching TV, watching YouTube, you know, that their brains don't ever get to really settle sometimes. And I think that like silence is important for kids. So having quiet time, having nap time, having distraction free time. And even for us as adults, we think about screen time for kids and how, you know, we really should limit screen time if we're talking about it, whatever. You know, I know people who limit screen time. I know people who don't everyone's kids are smart so whatever suits your fancy um we're all just trying to make it one day at a time but as adults we should limit our screen time too like how often is it and it might not be the same if you are like at home because I know when I'm at home I don't always have my phone on me but I have it on me a lot of the times a lot of the times my screen time is scrolling on Instacart planning meals I do a lot of that filling up shopping carts with back to school outfits and Christmas outfits. Why am I doing that right now? I don't know. When I go to bed, I'm listening to a podcast or I'm falling asleep to like one of my favorite shows instead of allowing quiet, calm down time myself. So I think we all need to limit screen time. But in a way, when you find all of these little things to entertain your kids, they can't learn how to entertain themselves. So my new strategy, because I tend to like be one of those parents that 
wants to get on the ground and play with you but I really don't want to do that I just like have to do that out of like guilt and necessity like I I low-key don't love playing Barbies all day don't tell me I love to play just like not for four hours okay like because it's not fun because she's bossy and she's like no say this now do this you know what I mean like and it's such payback because I was the same way as a kid but or like karma or like whatever but our kids need to learn how to be bored and so when I'm working sometimes I feel bad because I feel like my kids have to kind of depending on the day they have to play by themselves and like a lot of the time the day you know, it's fine. And it's not that big of a deal. And I have to remind myself, like they did breakfast, they had to have some quiet, they had to play with themselves, you know, this morning, because I had meetings, or I was in class teaching all morning. But then come the afternoon after nap, I'm free to play and hang out. And so that's, that's good. Um, we're all just doing our best. That's what I'm going to keep saying. But our kids have to learn how to be bored. If every single day and so for the summer, I've been like every single day we have to go somewhere we have to do something because it's summer and I had like this su- weird summer pressure that I put on myself like if we're not outside if we're not exploring if we're not like going to the park four times a week then what are we doing we're wasting summer because when winter comes I'm gonna be mad but when winter comes I'm also gonna be busy my kids are gonna be in school like there's all these winter things you can go to there's always the library And I also think that because Mia will be in kindergarten, the pressure to do stuff isn't as intense because it's like you have to do school every day. If anything, I want you to have a day to rest and to relax. Um, So it'll turn more into, I'm sure in the winter, it'll turn more into like once a month, let's go do something fun and exciting and different. But on the weekends, let's you know, let you play with your toys and let you have some downtime because you are at school all the time. Um, but yeah, so there's like this pressure and like in the summer, I get it because you don't want to miss out on summer, but it is also important that your kids get these life skills. And that's what I think this life skill of being bored, which sounds silly, but like I can think about whenever I go to like a doctor's appointment or if I'm somewhere and I don't have my phone out or I can't have my phone out. For instance, when I go to the doctor's, I typically leave my phone in my bag once I get to the exam rooms. Like, yeah, in the waiting room, I'm probably scrolling. Um, But once I'm in or making Instacarts, but once I'm in the exam room, you know, it's just kind of awkward because like I don't, if I'm holding my phone and I have to like raise my arms above my head and like, so I just put my phone away. When I'm bored, I just start thinking of like stories or I'm like, let me think of something fun. Like I'll use my imagination then. Um, or if I'm in the doctor's office and I don't want to have air, my, I don't put my AirPods in cause I want to hear them call my name. I won't be scrolling on Instagram or TikTok then because you know, my sound's going to be on. I'm like, all right, let me think of content. Let me make a list of activities. And I think it's important that kids have time to be creative. And the only way they're going to have time to be creative is sometimes if they do self-play, if it's not parent-led play. So like, I think self-play, that sounds weird. How do I say this better? (laughs) Because I was about to say it did not sound better. Having time where your child is you know, actively playing alone or playing with other kids without you interfering, I think is important. And we put these weird pressures on us. The other thing is that we always try to like fix what the generation before us didn't do well. So like boomers were really hardcore. Um, Gen X, that's my parents, we're actually pretty not that hardcore, but I hear other stories. Um, And then for us, we're all emotional. Um, well, at least not the millennials, we're all just emotional. And so I do think that some things that our parents did were good. Get outside Saturday morning and get your hands dirty. Um, I'll tell you if I decide to do this, I really would like to implement this where unfortunately I did not garden this summer and I think it's such a shame, but also I really had no capacity to do that. But that doesn't mean that we can't plant and still grow things from now to fall. Um, people grow in their house. And so I think I might do a Saturday morning outdoor kind of thing um, where maybe on Saturday mornings we grow a little bit of fruit. (laughs) This is so 
I sound so dumb. I'm not a gardener. I don't know. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, on Saturday mornings, my kids will, like, water the plants and, like, weed the plants. Like, take the weeds out. And um, they'll, like, wash off the porch and um, wash the car, maybe. I feel like some of those, like, outdoorsy chores my kids don't do because I don't do them but I feel like it's kind of important I'll let you know I'm gonna think on like what I could do outside and like maybe do like Saturday morning you know water the plants (laughs) hose the porch and go for a walk and do our Saturday morning sight words or sight and see. I'm going to call it sight and see. And we're going to look for something. We're going to see it. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it'll be a scavenger hunt. I am clearly thinking out loud. I have not thought this through at all. But I don't know. I feel like because our kids, first of all, because of stranger danger and because not all of us live in neighborhoods with kids, i.e. me, and because life is busy. And because we have to watch our child the whole time, our kids aren't outside playing from like sun up to sundown. They might play outside for a couple hours a day or an hour a day, or maybe like tops three hours a day. But we were like, as we were in it as kids, like riding our bikes. And my kids are kind of lacking that. That's like we have indoor kids. And so I kind of just want to have like some Saturday, like morning focused on some chores and then like some outdoor play and then that's what I think I'm gonna do all right I'll let you know how it goes and and I'll flesh out what I'm talking about because obviously I haven't thought about it okay so let's get into some more of our mom talk I've been asking questions we've been kind of chatting about this is what I've been struggling with and so here's the word that I want to have for you today not that I'm a preacher I don't know why I said it like that here's what I want you to know is they are not better than you. Okay? And I have to hear this myself. They're not better than you. That soccer mom who has her kid signed up for six activities and their kid can already speak another language, they are not better than you. That mom who is um, staying at home with her kids and homeschooling her kids while you're at work, um, working your nine to five, or maybe your late night shift, they're not better than you. That mom who has a housekeeper and a nanny and an immaculate, aesthetically pleasing house, they're not better than you. That mom who has only organic food, their kids are eating um, gluten-free, they are, they're not better than you. All home-cooked meals. That mom who takes her kids every weekend to the movies or ice skating or is always doing something fun and exciting, they are not better than you. Too often, we look at other moms in other people's lives and scenarios and parenting choices and think they're doing better. That mom who has zero screen time, they're not better than you. And guess what? If you're one of any of those moms, good everybody's parenting position is different. The world tries to tell us how parents should be, but you are the mom of your children. You are the mom in your household. And it doesn't matter if your kids are eating dino nuggets or perfectly home-cooked meals every day because God knew the type of mom you were going to be before you became a mom. And social media has us pitted against each other on so many levels. You go in a mom group and it's just insane. Like, I don't even go in those. Actually, I do go in those groups just to read the comments of like a mom will be like, hey, when should I stop swaddling? And then oh, hell breaks loose. What you swaddle your kids? What you don't swaddle your kids? Oh my gosh, your child's too old to be swaddled. I don't, you don't even know how to swaddle. And it becomes this whole crazy debate. And it's like, she just asked, when do I stop? And maybe she should have called her doctor or just Googled it because now she's getting attacked over having a question. And I know that for me, I look at moms that have like bigger houses that have organized closets that have like perfect meal plans and perfect workout schedules and I think they're better than me and the truth is they might be doing some things that I aspire to do but that does not make them a better mom than me 
same for you. You might have things that you aspire to do or things you want to implement in your home and can't or are in the process of doing, or maybe you're happy and you're just, or maybe you're just on survival mode. It just because a mom is doing something that looks pretty or seems fancy or you wish you could do, doesn't make them a better mom than you. You are an amazing mom. In your circumstance, in your situation, in your parenting style, in your home, whether it's immaculately clean or if it's junky, whether it's home-cooked meals or it's Chick-fil-A tonight, you are a good mom. Whether your kids are know how to swim or they don't. Whether your kids have started ballet or jujitsu or soccer or cheerleading or they have not. You are a great mom. And there's always time to try those things out too that you want to implement. I'm not saying don't improve. I'm not saying don't have goals. I'm not saying that you can't do better than what you're doing. But what you're doing right now is more than enough. Showing up, loving your kids, teaching them about love, teaching them about kindness. Most important things your kids are going to ever get from you. More important than soccer. More important than summer camp. More important than you being at home if your circumstances that you have to work more important than whether you breastfed or bottle fed you showing up for your kids and for your family however you are is the most important god loves us as we are we love our kids as we are and guess what we are good enough as we are right now even if you haven't lost the weight even if you haven't gotten the degree Even if you haven't gotten married, however your circumstance or situation is, you are good enough and they are not better than you. And guess what? You're not better than them, but just do what makes you feel good. I feel like the comparison game just weighs us down. And I was, this is just me. I was feeling, I feel like funky, dumpy, humpty, bumpy all summer. Like not cute, like struggling, like survival mode. Like what is my life? I'm in the trenches. Oh, I don't feel cute. I was so cute this time, blah, blah, blah. I'm not posting as much. I'm not doing as well. All of these things. I also have an extra child that I'm working on figuring out. Um, And then also I I looked at these pictures of me being me dancing at the weight I was at, which was fine. Like whatever weight I'm at is the weight I'm at just because she's a size two. And I'm not telling you my size. Like it does, it doesn't matter. Um, because y'all know I'm going to be fit for Disney, right? Like I'm hitting the gym, but even if I was not, even if I went to Disney in this body that I'm in right now, I'm good enough. And it's so hard sometimes to accept ourselves as we are, accept our situations as they are, accept our homes as they are. The other day I was talking to my friend because we were having a play date and I was like, I just want to be able to work on this business, make this money, buy this house. The market's trash. Um, Money is hard. And I have a little baby. In a year, he won't be so little. And I will tell you, if you have kids, it gets easier. Okay, I'm about to have a five-year-old. It gets so much easier. New challenges, but it does get easier. And just, you don't have to do everything instantly. I was feeling like, okay, I've got married. I've had my kids. It's time to go buy this new house. It's time to be elevated in my career. It's time to make a million dollars all before December. And it's not realistic. And it it doesn't matter. I think that we also need to reshape how we define success. I saw this TikTok that was like, we... Maybe success isn't how much money you make. Maybe success is how happy you are. And newsflash, no matter how much money you make, there's always going to be something to be mad about. Again, I have to tell myself this. Maybe success is my kids are happy. We, went, we go outside. I talk to them and pay attention to them. I have a happy marriage. Or when, Success doesn't have to be the top of everything. It has to be the top of your life. So I'm very successful in the sense that I have a wonderful husband. I have beautiful children that are thriving. Success is I got my kid to kindergarten, y'all. She is going to big kid school. I did that. I survived birth to five. That's success. And I'm doing it again. 
and again (laughs) and not again after that because I'm done having kids but you know so anyway I just wanted you to know that because I feel like we just compare ourselves we compare ourselves and it's it comparison is the thief of joy it really is and it's a helpful tool in a sense because it gives you ideas of maybe ways that can help improve your life sure if I had these organized shelves I might feel better I'm not organizing shelves right now. I actually have a fall. Um, anyway, I have plans to do, redo this part of the house in the fall, but it doesn't matter. You are good enough. They are not better than you. You're perfect as you are. And you should really learn to embrace yourself. The other thing is that your kid is going to learn how they look at themselves by the way you look at yourself. And that's been weighing on me. Am I feeling good? Am I happy? Am I confident? Am I strong despite how I look? That's teaching my kid to be the same way. Am I critical of myself? That's teaching my kid to be the same way. So just think about that too. Okay. All right, y'all, that's all I have for you this week. Um, Don't forget to follow the podcast on Christian Mom Uncensored on Instagram. Um, Make sure that you join the Facebook group and take care. Be blessed. Be well. Share the podcast with all the fellow mamas. Um, I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace, love, and happiness. Bye.